Thank you for listening to Comic Issues, your favorite geeky podcast full of rants, ramblings, and ravings. I'm your host, Anthony Silva, along with me is my co-host and greatest geek in the world, Elizabeth Wallace. Uh, and uh, everybody, uh, by now, hopefully, we have recovered uh, from a, a, a terrific weekend of uh, honestly too much gaming. I don't think I need to look at another uh, con- controller for uh, weeks, if not months. Right. Uh, but we did raise um, more than uh, our expected goal. We managed to uh, raise three hundred and five dollars for uh, through Extra Life for uh, Rady Children's Hospital, which I keep saying wrong. You keep saying Rady's? I keep saying Rady's. I think everybody does yeah. that. That's totally fine. We work with them at the newspaper, too, and everybody's always saying that. Yeah. So I don't think they care if we give them money so they can continue to do yeah, good things. We're so. still doing, we're still in the good, the, the good geeks work. Yeah, that's right. Um, but uh, it was uh, incredible uh, and um, dead for a, a whole day after that. Oh, yeah, definitely. I felt like uh, I was run over by a bus. Yeah, I was uh, talking with Stephanie, and when I finally went to go back to sleep, it's like, you lie there for a second, you feel like, maybe I've forgotten how to sleep. I don't know how <laughs> yeah. this works, you know? It took a little bit of effort. Felt a little broken. Yeah. Um, even even today, I feel ran over by, like, a smaller bus. Yes, exactly. Or, or maybe just a minivan. There you go. Um, I'm glad uh, it's only once a year. Yeah. Next um, year, shifts. Yes. Yeah. I think that's definitely uh, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the picture. Yeah. Uh, the kids, you know, Jordan, Stephanie, and them, uh, who were all amazing all weekend, uh, they can go for it. There uh, you go. But us reasonable adults. Who have to actually work during yeah. the day. Yeah. Not that they don't have to work, but I think we work harder. They, they can handle that. Yeah. They can handle that. Um, but uh, thank you so much, everyone, who uh, was a part of that, who watched, who donated, uh, who uh, kept us going. When uh, it was just way too late to stay, oh, God, uh, yes. to stay up. Oh yeah, lots of walking around, <laughs> lots of coffee. Yeah. Uh, so uh, just straight into it because uh, our first couple of books. Uh, honestly, we've been waiting for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot has happened uh, in just uh, two books. First off, Uncanny X Men number six hundred, the the final the final issue of Brian Michael Bendis's X Men run, which. Uh, I mean, we have the end here. So from beginning to end, we can make uh, we can make our criticisms, our uh, give our opinions. I think this run has been pretty amazing. Oh, it has. I mean, it's he's one of the from the second I saw that first issue with Cyclops on the cover, drawn by Bachelot, I was already in. I mean, I knew that Bachelot was going to be doing the majority of the work, but um, just the writing surprised me because I'd really not been expecting all that much because at the time that I started it, I'd just kind of gotten back into comics and Bendis just blows it out of the water every single time. He's just amazing. Yeah, it has been it has been pretty great. And strangely enough, like one of my biggest complaints about X-Men over the last 10 years is that it, it kind of lost sight of the... Um, outsider's point of view right. and it became so much about like inside uh, family fighting which Bendis's run still full of but he managed to find a way to um, make it entertaining not make it feel heavy right. or or even depressing right and the fact that Scott is a jerk as Scott always is I heard Bendis on the Nerdist talk about how he loved writing for Scott because he could write one issue with one section in Scott about it, and the internet would just lose their minds the next day. And as yeah. a writer, he says, that's great. That's all that you want. You want people to react. So a lot of, I thought we saw a lot of changes in Scott. Um, and I think by the end of this book, I think we like him a little better. A little uh, well, it depends on, I think, which Scott we're talking about. If we're talking about... Um, not young Scott. I'm talking okay, about old Scott. Scott. Young about Scott, Scott is just young and just a little bit of a pill. But yeah. old Scott is the one who's talking revolution and walking around with the shoulder and can't understand why everybody's mad at him. And it could have yeah. something to do with him killing Professor X. Like and, in the in the beginning, it seemed like the the older the the current timeline Scott Summers was a real just giant dick. Mm. Um, he refused to kind of accept responsibility. Whether influenced or not, like yeah. he never really accepted the fact, uh, the fact to other people at least that like these are the hands that killed Xavier. Exactly, he always pushed it off like it was somebody else entirely, yeah. and he couldn't ever understand why people were still angry with yeah. him. And that's the thing. I mean, sometimes people are just going to be pissed off, and you have to let them be pissed off. And he yeah. never got that. Um, but Bendis, I feel, took that kind of rough start, and by the end of this. I feel he's he's kind of accepted what he's done, 
but I get more of where he's coming from and is in what he's trying to achieve. Right. I feel like I understand uh, who this new Cyclops is. Yeah, yeah. We can only hope for good things after this, though. It's a little. You can't tell because if yeah, if another writer's picking it up, I mean, another writer's going to come with their own ideas and their own agenda, and they'll certainly start out from Bendis's ending point. But I also liked what he did in this book with Beast because Beast really has been kind of off the rails for a long time. He's always just like, and even here when he's being confronted by the entire school, he's saying, you know, it would take me weeks to even start to explain to you what I'm doing, much less, you know, have you fully understand? And everybody's like you're not helping your case right here. You're coming yeah. off exactly as arrogant as people think you are. But yeah, I mean, just messing with the time continuum and whatever he thinks needs to be done, he does no matter what anybody else thinks. And the intervention that they had for him was really, you know, I'm not a fan of interventions because I think it's all basically like a bunch of people ganging up on somebody. But in this case, I think Guilt it needed... Guilt trip them into something. Yeah, this time it really needed to happen because Beast has got a lot of power to do a lot of damage. Yeah, it's interesting because we always kind of think of Beast as... Um, he's a the, good guy. No, know? he's he's definitely a good guy, but he's kind of like that character who comes in in the third act and solves the problem. Right. right. I made the in, the the invention that will solve whatever dilemma we're we're in the middle of. Yeah. Never is he quite uh, a forefront, and never is he really like this story revolves around me necessarily. Right. Even when he brings the all new X Men, the the young yeah. X Men. It he's still just kind of a plot device. He is, and so that's why it was so cool that Bendis, in this issue, decided to look at that and be like, that was actually kind of irresponsible because now everything's changed and you didn't clear it with anybody ahead of time. You didn't even discuss it and take anybody else's opinions. And if you can do something that amazingly, potentially devastating, what else could you do? And also, it is kind of unfair that they're talking about, we've seen future versions of you and you don't turn out so well. And he's like... Great, now I'm being blamed for things I haven't even done yet. But yeah. I think if you're living in a comic book world, you should realize that that's a, that's <laughs> a, a problem that's going to happen. You it's know? it's, it's a, kind of reasonable. Yeah. It's yeah. it's about the potential of what you right. could do. Like, yes, uh, you shouldn't stand trial for your future self's actions, yeah. uh, but you should take into heavy consideration yes. what you're possible, like yeah. what, what you're capable of, yeah. of, of doing. So the format of this book was kind of like an anthology. Mm-hmm. It was like the framing device was like the intervention that they were all, the entire school was doing for Hank. And then they would tell little stories about individual characters. And honestly, the art, I don't usually like that kind of story because eh, sometimes the stories fall a little flat and sometimes the art isn't great. But I'm telling you, the art in every single one was really good. And in each one, there was always like a separate moment that really made you smile. And it also sort of... Kind of wrapped up a few dangling plot lines here and there. Yeah, Every, um, everything is important in this book. Yeah, yeah. Like for a, a, a thick, what's this, another $5 book you guys maybe? $6. It's a $6, $6 book. book. It is huge, though. Buy. There's a lot of stuff yeah, going on, yeah. Um, there's, there's not a single page here that I feel doesn't influence you, doesn't impact you on, yeah. on some some level. Yeah, never um, mind the uh, the story about Bobby finally talking to Bobby, you know? Yeah. And we've been wondering for a while, okay, if young from the past Bobby is gay, mm-hmm. why isn't older from the present Bobby gay? And it's actually kind of a heart-wrenching story because you know this has to happen all the time. Yeah. He just, and spoilers, if you, if you want to read this yourself, which you probably should, but basically he's, you know, present time, older Bobby is just like, you know, I'm a mutant and I've been persecuted all my life and I just kind of, you know, this was just going to be another thing I was going to be persecuted for and I just thought I'd just put it off for a while. I just, I wouldn't acknowledge this side of myself and I'd repress it and maybe I'd get back to it later. And I'm like, man, you know that happens all the time in real yeah. life. So he is gay, but he just didn't, he just didn't want to deal with that. This, man. this moment right here. What is it that drops? A frozen teardrop. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. I, I saw this little thing and it goes dink, and I'm I didn't like, what realize is that? It, I didn't re- realize it for a couple of panels. I read this one at, uh, on my lunch at work, so I'm yeah. tearing through on the um, on the iPad, and so it's it's just uh, uh, Bobby confronts older Bobby, and it's a couple silent panels. Then you just see older Bobby's feet, yeah, and then in another panel, the same uh, shot, 
but something falls and just says tink. And I knew it was being important, but I was reading it when I was tired, and so I, yeah. didn't, I didn't think stop to think about it. No, oh, that's and I awesome. Couldn't, and I didn't know what it was because it looks like a pebble, really. Yeah, it does. Uh, but then two panels later, you see his hand kind of up to his face. You're like, oh shit, that was a frozen tear because he's Ice Man. Yeah, that's pretty wow. awesome. But it really. I think it worked out pretty well, you know. I think they both got to talk about it. And everybody always teases the Bobbies for being annoying. Everybody's always like, oh, you're equally annoying. That's great. But, you know, they're both going through some pretty heavy stuff and everything. Yeah. And I think they really, they kind of, they got along, you know. And Jean tried to give him a hug. And he's like, no, hugging. And No, that's right. He was going to give her a hug. And she's yeah. like, no, I'll give you a psychic hug. And he says, psychic hug. What's, ooh, that's nice. I like that. <laughs> she says, she has, he says something that's really funny. Um, let me see if I can get it so I can go. Quote it. Um, uh, no hugs uh, from any ice men. You're freezing and it's tough on my front parts. Yeah, it, that, that kind of thing is kind yeah. of tough on the ladies. Like, so, oh, yeah, yeah. That makes total sense. It really does. It really does. But she gave him something that was apparently just as nice. So, yeah. yeah. Like it's a really, it's it's a heavy moment. We knew it was coming and we're, and thank, thank God that uh, Bendis is there to do it. Right. Not that I thought it would drag out. No. Because it was a, definitely something you couldn't just put out there and never come back to yeah. these characters were going to talk and they were going to talk soon um but it comes with bobby uh, young bobby saying hey you know what um i'm gay yeah and it it feels like this feels right to me and i'm gonna be gay hmm. now you don't have to come out that's your choice which i think is really great yeah but he does point out but when I'm out, yeah. they're going to look at you and they are going to wonder. Yeah, and that makes a lot... I mean, honestly, I think he handled it better than Gene handled it. Because Gene was just kind of like, whatever, I know you're gay. I read your mind. And I'm like, yeah. yeah very invasive. Yeah, exactly. And this was handled... It was almost like... It was very polite the yeah. way he handled it. But it's it's great because after that, we have this touching moment, a frozen teardrop and everything. Uh, young Bobby asks uh, older Bobby, uh, do you think Angel is hot? <laughs> like this, He just has to know. It's his first question yep, asking... Yeah. A uh, uh, admittedly gay uh, yeah. older Iceman. And he says, oh, God, yes. <laughs> and he's like, why didn't you ever do anything about it? And he's like, because he's annoyingly hot. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that makes perfect and it's, sense. It's great because it's this perfect, easy kind of bit of levity yeah. to what was uh, a very, you know, heartbreaking but but warming uh warming scene is angel gay over in the ultimate world not that we have the ultimate world anymore but is he gay over there uh no okay no, 1602 they were they definitely said not yeah. in the not in the secret wars 1602 the but the original 1602. they were saying that angel was definitely gay which yeah. also makes sense but yeah no i think and i also like the fact that bendis was the person who wrote the story about younger from the past bobby being gay i'm glad that in his last book he got to handle the answer to that question by himself rather than have another artist put his spin on it i'm glad that bendis was the one who did it it it, it was handled in such a such a perfect way uh from how it was set up with bendis's seriousness and then levity to again we get the seriousness and then yeah. And then levity to yeah. it. All the stories in the book were good. All of them were very fun. They are that was definitely great, yeah. the most powerful. But all of the art, I just really and the the framing. Do we know who did the art on the the main framing sort of? I device? think that's Sarah Pacelli. Oh, yeah. uh, she's the first uh, credited artist. Yeah. Um, and I usually always love her work without any complaint. And I'm not yeah. even sure if this is. I don't even think it's her. But there is something about her sections of artwork that really bugged the hell out of me. Oh, really? Like what? Um, these like lines like these weird yeah. like marker lines they are all over the place i'm wondering if that's something the colorist who was working with it her looks did. like a colorist thing because yeah. there's no inks to it and there's no, no uh uninked pencil lines it just hmm. looks like a colorist choice to be like okay i'm gonna rib everything yeah and it really is it's like it's in so many places yeah it was an attempt at making texture but i guess it just went a little overboard yeah it did, it did not work for me yeah. now Pencils alone, it's crazy. We've yeah. loved Sarah Bocelli since uh, I think she debuted all new X Men in the beginning. I think so. Feels, I just feels the right. faces are amazing, especially like yeah. Kitty Pride looks fantastic. And then of course this we saw him over in all new X Men a bunch. Is this Jimenez? Uh this could have been uh, Jimenez. Uh, all the artists who worked on this were... And they're probably not going to credit them separately. They're probably going to just... Yeah, listen. just in one, uh, yeah, one, one batch. Bit. Sarah Pacelli, uh, Mahmoud Asar, uh, Asrar. Oh, um, Asrar. Yes, Asrar? That's, I, think that's, yeah. I think that's Asrar. Uh, Stuart Eminen, uh, Chris Anka, Chris Bocciolo, David Marquez, 
and Fraser Irving. Fraser Irving's, I guess, the only one that I don't know really. Well, everybody I else. Think he's I, the last one. Everybody I, else, not only do I know, but I know we've said on this podcast, and it's like, oh my god, it's Ezra, it's awesome. And, yeah. You know. Um, I got a feeling this is probably in chronological order. Okay. Because I think this the the first section with um, Colossus and uh, Ileana was Ezra's mm-hmm. um, work. Got it. And then it would make sense because this looks like Eminem. Is that Eminem? I was thinking that was Ezra. I, I'm pretty sure. Um, well, then what's the... It, hmm, I don't know, because then the Iceman stuff... Who is someone that I haven't actually... I don't remember seeing that before. It's good, but it's not somebody that we've yeah, seen. Yeah, it's not Eminem, but that could be... Yes. Oh, Man, yeah, <laughs> this really know. could have been worked out, Marvel, if yeah. you just broke it down on the give us a little credits page per each one oh well that's fine Um, i'm sure we could look it up online but i'm far too lazy come on now we're we're doing we're doing a podcast we can't just not keep talking no no god forbid no it's got to keep going yeah um but it's it's really solid work and it's 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 a really great closing Mm -hmm. to uh to a really um astounding beginning and end run yeah, yeah. uh for for a writer absolutely uh and it's I'm, I'm bummed i'm bummed to see him go because it's it's been so good but you know everything we need is kind of there he sets up uh for the next um reign mm-hmm. um we have uh what's this one actually called extraordinary x-men uh jeff lemire uh picks up where right where bendis's leaves off where scott summers makes this big announcement uh, in front of the the steps of the um, was it the Congress? Building? An announcement which basically is like, yes, we're we're staging a revolution. We are all banding together. But look at us, we're all together. And all the humans always thought that if we all managed to get together, we'd take over and run riot. And look, we're all standing together, and we're still standing here, yeah. and we're talking, and it's fine. So I think Scott has embraced the idea of a nonviolent revolution. It definitely seems that way. Hopefully. Um, He's got I'm, Magneto on his side, yeah. who apparently has his powers all back now. I wasn't, yeah. I only read like the first five or six Magneto books, so I don't know. I know that he was working on getting them back. They all kind of silently got their powers back. Yeah, a little bit. If, by if there's bit. anything that, that maybe we could criticize Bendis for, is that mm. that was not very clearly yeah. worked out. Yeah. Uh, I am going to miss a Bocciolo, uh Magneto, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't know about, as, as far as Cyclops, like, he definitely gathers, like, all the mutants together with a really solid message of, like, look, we banded together and nothing bad happened. Yeah. We're all, it's all good. Yeah. But now we get to Extraordinary X-Men, and it seems that something happened. Yeah. It's weird because uh, they keep talking about uh, Cyclops and this moment that we see at the end of Uncanny. But sometimes they talk about him... In the in the past tense, yeah. I, I don't know if it's just me kind of reaching for things, but you kind of feel like maybe, like he's not with us anymore. Well, he's or... definitely not with them. I mean, no matter yeah. what he's doing, whatever revolution, <clears throat> he is not part of the mansion people. He is not part of the other uh, the school, the X Haven. Yeah, yeah, he's not part of any of that. He is doing his own thing. So I figured, I kind of thought that's what it was. You know, when we were hanging out on Saturday, Leland actually brought up one of the pages from this book. Mm-hmm. I think it was this book. Because oh. he had been saying how he he wasn't really so much into Storm's costume. He kind of was like, nah, I think it's fine and whatever. And then he sees how Ramos uh, is drawing it. There's a great splash page, and she looks fabulous. And Iceman's new costume is fantastic. Finally. Everybody. And it's a great scene because it's like got electricity crackling. But off in the background, I mean, they're getting this huge influx of mutants. I thought at first... They were taking in in humans, mm-hmm. but they're really just taking in just mutants. mutants. And yeah. some of them, which I, you know, which you let me know, some of them actually been damaged by the Terrigen Mist because yeah. it's fatal or very, very dangerous for mutants. So they're having to deal with that. That's what uh, magic was in the beginning of the book, going out to save a girl who'd been, she was a mutant, but I don't think anybody knew, but they found out when she got hit with the Terrigen Mist and very terribly hurt. And yeah, it she kind of like real sick. Yeah, and it, it kind of let all the people in this town know that she was a mutant, and of course the government is now going after her, so it's um they're trying to gather in refugees now. But it's a great the splash page is awesome because dramatic pose on the left and over on the right there's people who are like, you know, picking up boxes and carting in supplies and they have scales going down their arms or horns yeah. on their head or everything. Really, really great job by Ramos. Yeah. Uh as we mentioned I think a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Uncanny Avengers uh, we've discovered that the Tergian Mist that is uh, from 
uh, I can't remember the, the name of that story it's, arc. It's not just me. Those do look like short boxes. Don't they? <laughs> they look like comic boxes. So yeah. one of the boxes is living yeah. is a comic box. I'm like, oh, I know what that is. So anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> what, what kind of comics do you read in a world where your life is a comic book? It's probably something like, oh, and then these people, and they got together, and they... <laughs> They recorded a podcast one day, and then they went to work the next day. They're probably reading about us. That's yeah. how it flip-flops around. So. Um, uh, <laughs> and my brain sidetracked. That's all right. Um, Terrigen Mist. Yeah, so, uh, so the Terrigen Mist we've discovered uh, already was uh, either just straight out killing or really making mutants sick. Right. It seems to be perhaps a, a measure of exposure and just how much they each, each mutant can handle it. Right. So um, the X-Men and Storm as leader of the X-Men now mm-hmm. um, has taken essentially every mutant she can find. And they, they don't even seem to be at Westchester anymore. Right. They're in some undisclosed location. They call it X-Haven. And it is just essentially... Um, Refugee camp seems like the wrong words to use. Refugee camp with some money behind it. I mean, they've got these devices floating in the air. It looks very sci-fi. But there's also people, you know, hauling buckets of water or something with them. I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're, they're struggling, you know, and they can't, she just does not want to turn anybody away at this point. No, yeah. Like she's in fact trying to just really get every single mutant uh, for their own health. But also for their own safety, like you said yeah. in the beginning, magic saves a little girl um, and her family. And her family. Not not just taking uh, mutants, um, but from where they're being attacked in New Delhi to this secret X X haven. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, just just a, that storm and that hair. Yeah, her hair, hair looks good. Her hair is so crazy. Humbert, uh, Humberto Ramos, uh, one of my all time favorite yeah. artists, yeah. Uh, is uh, is doing this and. He makes he makes everyone look so good. She's not it's not quite the storm mohawk, but it's almost like a mane, you know? It is, yeah. It is very kind of mane like. Yeah, it looks good. I think Iceman's quote unquote hair looks good too. They've gone (laughs) for like this spiky sort of thing. His costume looks great. It's awesome. It's practical too. I mean he's always working around basically in bikini shorts and so now he's got some clothes with his arms and legs bare. I'm like it's nice. I it makes it. sense. Yeah. It's nice that he even has a costume. He, yeah. Like all of Bendis's run, he was just in cargo shorts yeah. and he never de-iced. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I was. I think we talked once. Like, does he have a problem? Is he sick in Did, some now, way? Leland was saying that when we read this, we'd find out the answer to that. But I don't I remember don't, him saying anything about it. No, I don't think yeah. he did. It. I don't think he did. Like yeah. it seemed like kind of maybe an opportunity since I'm sure Bendis knew for a while he was going to uh, reveal that Iceman was gay. That. Maybe there could have been a line in there where he explains that it just felt uh, safer yeah. in his ice form. It's like a particular, yeah, it's, it's, you've definitely got a barrier in between you yeah. and the rest of the world. So Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, Ramos' style has uh, kind of changed from the, from the normal Ramos that uh, we've seen. It's kind of become a little more, um, I don't want to say standard comic book-y uh, and but, make it sound bad. No. But it's it's like a lot of his stuff. People have noticed before, like that iconic Spider-Man cover, yeah. uh, where he's like definitely twisting in an odd angle. That's a that's a Ramos thing, you know. Yeah, exaggerate the forms and the stuff. A little like more that. animated, a little yeah. more cartoony. This yeah. one, it's uh, much more comic booky, uh, and I kind of feel even um, like if you took Ramos and sprinkled a little um, J. Scott Campbell on it. Oh, yeah. uh, I noticed a lot whenever I looked at uh, Magic mm-hmm. that. Uh, specifically the eyes uh, are smaller than he used to do. Mm-hmm. And um, he used to do really exaggerated um, proportions of right. like hips and hands were always real big and feet, ankles were tiny, but feet were big. Like it's a style I always love. And then in fact, no. I still love uh, what he's that's doing. What, that's what Joe here. Mad, that's what Joe Mad did all the time. You Absolutely. know, people always wearing these gauntlets that gave him giant hands, you know, yeah. it's just a Joe Mad thing. Um, but it's, it still looks, it still looks really great. Um, so not only is Storm trying to uh, save every mutant, as to which uh, she's even kind of talking to a f- uh, imaginative Xavier in the first couple of pages, just yeah. uh, just kind of openly out into air, just what do I do? Yeah, like she's she's afraid she's afraid of failure because at this point, does does it feel like like mutants are worse now than they ever have been before? Um, no, but I think she just. 
she knows how precarious their situation is. Yeah. You know, we don't have anybody actively hunting them right now, but that could change. Well, maybe not in a second. Maybe know? not in like America, but like in New Delhi, like you said, exactly. like the government was was after that poor little yeah. girl. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you've got Jean Grey, the younger Jean Grey, who decided in the big number 600 that she just wanted to take a break from being an X-Men for a while, which is totally understandable. Yeah. But Storm's there where she's going to school and Storm's like, you know, I don't think you have that choice. I yeah, think you need, we need to, you. we need you. But Jean kind of holds firm. She's like, I think I should have the chance to do what I want to do, especially since pretty much every future version of myself always turns out horrifically. Maybe I ought to do something different. Yeah. She mentions that, uh, if I think she like she says, if she stays with the X Men, then her fate is to die and die and die again. Yeah, it's also Which true. Which I'm kind of like, that's yeah. kind of it's kind of meta, but she does have that knowledge. Yeah, yeah. They've so, always they that's I thought that Bendis was always handling that really well when all the um, younger X Men came forward. A lot of the sort of them looking at what had happened to their characters over the years was sort of a little on the meta side. It's just making. Yeah. Kind of almost like questioning the choices of the writers who had come before Bendis, but it was still fun. But like, it's also true. You know? Every single one of them freaked out because mm-hmm. if you look at those five characters, they've all gone to terrible places. Yeah. Like Jean Grey is dead. Iceman uh, is confused sexually. Yeah. Uh, Angel, straight up bonkers. Yeah. Um, Nut- everything that happened to him. Nuthouse crazy. Yeah. So his choice to be completely sort of... To take his own destiny. Yeah. Retrofitted a little bit. Yeah. You know, to do something that makes him so different from any other potential future. Yeah, which, like, hate to tell you, dude, it's a comic book. If it's meant to happen. It's going to happen. Something yeah. bad's going to happen yeah. to you. Yeah. Uh, although, uh, I think it would be a blessing if uh, he got a new costume. Who, Angel? Angel, yeah. You don't like the costume? I really don't. Okay. I like the wings. The I'm wings a are pretty. big fan of the wings. Yeah, the wings are pretty, um, but my biggest problem, honestly... Is the almost pseudo-gambit face thing? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, like, it's, it goes over his head, yeah. but doesn't cover all his hair. Instead, like, his bangs are still there. It's very Gambit-like, you know? Gambit always did have a full thing, but he had all of his luscious locks Yeah, but all visible. of his hair was out. I got, for some reason, that I get. That you get. That that's because it's Gambit. <laughs> yeah. You're going to give Gambit a pass, and you're going to tell Angel, Angel, it's like, no, this is stupid. I don't like it. It not, it not Angel, it Gambit. Yeah. And Gambit, mm-hmm. Gambit be okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so, like, it makes sense that they would all turn away. And especially... Jean Grey and like I feel bad like as as I read through and she's really pleading like I just want normalcy yeah it it makes sense and I and I understand like knowing what is mm, it's it's tough because it's time and right. time is not set in stone which necessarily. kind of brings me to my question about this storyline that's going on here who is this Cyclops this one right here. Oh. Is this our regular Cyclops? That's not Cyclops, that's Colossus. I mean, I meant to say Colossus. Sorry, oh. they start with a C. My bad. Yes. Who is this Colossus? Right Same here? Colossus that we've always But he known. seems to have been aged forward a bunch of years. Is he Fallout from Secret Wars? Because he... he didn't look like this when he was sort of making his peace with magic. Yeah. Um, Colossus, artistically and visually, mm-hmm. has always been a little inconsistent. Uh, sometimes it is just straight up um, normal muscle, and then they just put those curved lines yeah. to kind of show like yeah. layering. Um, this guy almost looks like he's gone to seed a little bit, you know? He's got like a little bit of a gut going on. And also, we had like in the last book, he was very much like an X Men. Mm-hmm. Fast forward one issue, how much time has passed in between that issue where he was getting reconciled with magic and this where he apparently has a farm and has been out there for a while and has developed a little bit of a drinking problem yeah, I mean, how uh, much time are we talking apparently Marvel has said that these books take place eight months after the events of Secret Wars Okay. now we still don't know where Secret Wars falls out no. we will get a little more this week Yay. Uh, but um, yeah so um, Jean Grey enrolls in college and is yes. taking classes within eight months Yes. Uh, Colossus Starts a farm. Well, I guess he well, he goes back to his family farm. Okay. Um, pulling the plow himself. Pulling the plow himself. Fighting bars. Yeah. Um, and just being an overall kind of a drunk. Yeah. yeah. Like, they definitely insinuate that 
uh, when the sun goes down, yes. the vodka comes out. Yes, yes. Um, it's a but, good Russian. Yeah, but yeah, he does. He does look kind of weird. He grew a beard, mm-hmm. uh, which I actually dig. I think that's it's pretty, totally fine. Pretty sweet. Which I like the fact that if he grows a beard or a mustache, it'll become metal at the same time as he does, <laughs> yeah. which totally makes sense. You know, hip, as I long as it. his hair is going, the rest of him should go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um... He just looks so Russian right here. I mean, they don't always draw him, but like these pictures right here, he looks Russian. Super, super tight on the sides uh, of his hair. Big old Russian-y thick beard Mm -hmm. and and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, but apparently whatever happens, uh, on the steps of the, the Capitol building sends Colossus, uh, running back to Russia. Right. He needs to, to be alone. Uh, magic comes to visit him. Uh, which seems like they may not have talked at all. Right. It's, there's definitely been time. And she's out there trying to recruit everybody she can. Um, it's it's weird. Bendis really put magic back out into the forefront. Yes. Yeah, I like, had never... I hadn't heard of her since she was a little girl and had the legacy virus, whatever it was. Yeah, she, yeah. she had the legacy virus. Yeah. And I forget who saved... I forget who... I know because she like that. she like died in a book. It was tragic. Yeah, no, I own that sure issue. She... It was wonderful. And when I found out later, she'd come back. I'm like, yeah, I guess yeah. Fine, it had been a long time though. She, yeah. I think she's only recently back. The but last that's five that years. was so jarring when I like had dropped out of comic books and she'd been dead and a little girl. And then we fast forward and here's magic and she's yeah. just like a badass. I'm and she like, got like boob window and yeah. giant sword. And there's and... things that stick up on her shoulders and her head back of her head and everything. She looks cool, but she's yeah, I'm like mm, okay. kind of the queen of purgatory. Yeah. And that's a weird storyline. Yeah, she that was can in hell for a while. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah. So a lot, a lot happened to her. A lot happened to her. A lot happened to Angel. A lot happened to all those people in that ten years. It's never good to be an X Men. No, <laughs> no, no. no X Men has a happy life. They really don't. But if they did have happy lives, we probably wouldn't find it as interesting. We wouldn't read them. Yeah. 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 Fine. yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, it's it's a fairly simple uh, exchange between Magic and um, and uh, Colossus. I we get a little to say Cyclops again. I was yeah. going to jump in an offer, and I'm like, oh, and I would have been wrong. Okay, that's great. Um, but uh, like, there's a little flashback to um, the the harshness of Colossus's old life. We see what I find interesting: a skinny child Colossus mm-hmm. in the metal form. Yeah, yeah, it's just so weird to see a little Colossus. No, we forget that the metal <clears throat> form. The metal form is his mutant ability, but I think he had to get those muscles on his own. You know? The muscles are, are him, and like he also has like augmented strength right. through his mutant power. Right. Um, but I guess it's only um, exponential from what he already has. Right. So the fact that he works him out to really... This looks like an Ed McGinnis uh, yeah, character. Sometimes it if goes ever a I've seen, little far, but that's it is, okay. It is bananas. Yeah. He looks like his name should be Magnus, yeah. and he's throwing rocks or uh, yeah. or boulders or uh, trees over uh, a, a, a pole. Yeah. Or his neck is very literally thicker than his head. You he know? has no neck. He really doesn't. It got <laughs> absorbed is, into his shoulders a long time yeah, ago. What are these uh, deltoids? I right? guess I suppose. I think these are deltoids. It's, it's, it's just the head resting on top of those. Bigger than most people's thighs. So, it's yeah, ridiculous. Right, yeah. But, um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, magic pulls him back because, as we know from Inferno, uh, magic will always be the soft underbelly of, uh, of Colossus. Yes, yes. Uh, what I kind of found um, more interesting, though, is, uh, where is that story? Nightcrawler. Yeah, what the heck? Coin mail armor, mm-hmm. Nightcrawler, like, fighting in some kind of ruins or sewers. This has, like... No context. I was really glad. I was worried. I was like, well, obviously I haven't been reading any of the books that led up to this, mm-hmm. but I guess there haven't been. I there mean, aren't any. Yeah. So he's... We're getting he, we're getting dropped in out of nowhere. He's running stuff. from a guy who's got like a really viciously cool set of horns. Those yeah. cool like curvy ram horns and everything. But he's trying to get away. Um, bamfing he's, his way around. He's and, getting away, but he's fighting. Like he... I mean, he's Nightcrawler. He yeah. could get away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's yeah. also clearly fighting them. And it's so weird because Nightcrawler... Um, like even at his most badassness, like his most badassness is probably like swashbuckling Age of Apocalypse mm-hmm. Nightcrawler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like here, he's like these. I don't know what it is, but I'm really loving this this coin mail armor. It looks he's good. Got. It's with the like kind of like a like a hood over it on yeah. one side. He's got Red, long hair, little and... bandolier going around the middle. He's got a sword that goes in a scabbard on his back. I mean, he looks. He's, really he's quoting the Bible like he's Jules from from Pulp Fiction, and. I I have no idea, but it's because he's he still has that that Catholic vibe on him. Yeah, yeah. 
but like now he's a holy warrior. Nice. Nice. He's a paladin. Awesome. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Uh, and it's it's super slick. I really want to kind of know like it's tough because I want to know everything that's that's happened. Like why all these characters have made this big leap from from where we left them and where we understood them yeah. to like everything that's happened. It's it's been really Well, I think really Mar- nutty. I think Marvel has found out certainly through Secret Wars that if you take the characters we know and love and drop them into a huge, weird, unexplained situation, if we like them and if the story's done well enough, we'll wait around until they oh, tell yeah. us. Well, you know, we know that they we're going to get some information fed to us. They haven't led us wrong in a long time. Absolutely. Um, uh, like the, the the book then you know kind of wraps up uh, with uh, the back to the conversation with Jean. Jean makes enough of an argument that Storm and Iceman are going to leave her, but like that. That X pull, like mm-hmm. you, you just uh, she they they make a, a really kind of uh, maybe it's 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 more like for story purposes, but she they say like there is no X Men without Jean Grey, hmm. and there is no X Man like Jean Grey. Right, she has always been. They say she's the heart of the X Men, but I don't know. Like it's you think back in retrospect, like well. Yeah, like Jean Grey has always kind of been the center of the X Men. Even when she's dead, she's still like the it's most funny, important X Men. I would argue that Wolverine was the center of the X Men. You know, the completely unwilling, pissed off about it center of the X Men. He's you know? he's definitely uh, he's definitely important, and, and popularity still uh, mm-hmm. absolutely goes to him. But I think when it comes down to like. Who embodies the X Men the most? Really? I think I think I might agree that it's that it's Jean. Oh, that's interesting because I always I don't know probably because she spends so much time being dead. I'm yeah. just like, nah, she they can get along just fine without her because they frequently have to. But it yeah. does also explain why they would bring her back from the past right. after she was dead. They're like, they we need have to so have badly. a Jean Grey, you know? Yeah. We do have to have one. Um, but uh, yeah, you mentioned Wolverine. We get a little, just a little taste. It's a little tease of Wolverine at the end, and it is amazing. It's old man Logan. Old man Logan. We don't know how he got there from Secret Wars, but yeah. it's definitely... And he's also just kind of like, you know, someone says, is it really you? And he's like, well, that kind of means on what you read by me. Because yeah. he, he knows what the score is. So I, I'm glad that he's not dropping in completely confused and clueless. He's like, no, there's a situation going yeah. on. And let me I, explain. I can't wait to see how that falls out. Like, yeah. that's that's the closest thing we have to a lead on the whole Secret Wars to new... Marvel Universe yes. that uh, that we have. Yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah, super excited about that. Uh, next book, Doctor Strange number two, continues to be uh, delicious. It gave us exactly what we <clears throat> wanted, a walking tour through the Sanctum Sanctorum with tons of yeah. weird references all over the place and Strange, you know, saying something like, you know, the weirdest thing about most people's places their refrigerator oh yeah by the way don't to look at the refrigerator yeah. don't open the refrigerator i have weird tastes which actually is kind of what it ends up being like at one and point then, she does open it you and know? it made sense actually like you said it and i'm like yeah yeah i believe it i think if you travel through as many dimensions as you do you're gonna pick up a, a jones and for yeah. a food that you're not gonna get yeah. on this plane and it's probably gonna be weird uh now um Call it uh, heresy if you like. Sure. Um, you know you can you can tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, going through this and this tour of the Sanctum Sanctorum. Yes. It really to me felt like oh, this is how the Doctor Who episode should have been. Yes. If you uh, and if you made it like ten times more dark because it is. I mean you've got strange specters who are apparently his physicians speaking to him. And that was weird, but awesome. Yeah, it was very cool. And then things got drowned in the pool because most creatures can't live in it and paintings on the wall talking yeah. and just strange, strange, strange. He's telling her just like, don't talk to... Oh, that at one point when he's like, you know, talking and making his comments and everything, he's like, don't talk to the snakes. And the snakes are hanging on the table. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, how's it going? Hey, girl. Yeah. What you <laughs> it was doing just here? really... Every every weird thing, and it is so perfect for Boshlaw because it's like it really is like out of this could be like walking through the dreaming in Sandman. This is exactly what it is. Every weird thing, it's beautiful, it's creepy, it's lovely. The expressions are wonderful, and the writing, of course, is fantastic. Because here's Strange acting like, well, well, la di da, you know, this is all so normal. Yeah, and she's just like, what? (laughs) What do you? I like when she rounded a corner, and. She's telling about, you know, oh, this is just, I can't, you know, but it's okay because I can handle this. Oh, my God, that's the most awful thing I've ever seen. And you flip the page. 
that is in the library. She's like, you've got books stacked on the ground on top of each other. Who does that? She's a librarian. So I'm like, oh, that was cool. I had a feeling that really resonate with you. Yeah, it really did. I was just like, don't put them like that. You need to get them up off sort of the spines on and all shelves. this goes. That's you, what it's for. You don't slide them like um, that. Ah. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I know we said it last time uh, a couple weeks ago when we talked about this book, but, like, just Bachelot is so perfect. Mm. Like, I can mm. har- I cannot think of another artist who could bring this uh no 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 pun intended but the strange world yeah, to yeah. such um to such life yeah. without it kind of feeling like there's the background and here's the characters yeah, yeah. like something about strange looks so normal and uh the um the girl who comes to his help comes for help in the beginning uh she keeps kind of making this reference of like oh well yeah of course you would. Yeah. Yeah, of course your refrigerator is a, a dimensional door to some crazy shit. Right. Of course there's zombies in, in this room. And, it, yeah, like that really kind of sums it up. Of course it's all there because it's not weird. Yeah. Everything blends so well together. Yeah, and I, this is a book, I'm just re-looking through it right now. I know that this is a book that I'm needing to flip through more times because the details in every page and he just yeah. puts little gems like the lights in one room are actually various lamps that are hanging at odd angles as they go up into the ceiling and that looks like a tiny Japanese pagoda there and there's flowers in one place and the snakes and vines and it's just... It, there's it, so much I to look at. I can't imagine. And the funny thing is, didn't the first book just come out? No, it didn't. Um, it was a month, wasn't it? see yeah yeah it was because i think it was early early october so here we are early november time that it must have taken to draw yeah. this book i and like, swear we know bachelo isn't necessarily the fastest artist right so i'm kind of leery like oh no what happens when someone else has to fill in for a couple issues which always is going to happen that's yeah. going to happen with every artist which is true funny, but you know i'm um, like dude take your time i'll wait for it i really will i am hoping that um they'll take other kind of abstract artists mm-hmm. uh, and not put someone um, with a more mainstream comic book yeah. uh, look to it and just and just keep it just keep it weird yeah yeah and um, I'm trying to see there are he put refrigerator magnets on the refrigerator in yeah the front. for everyone's oh so I see Bachelo so Aaron up top yeah. Jason Aaron the writer Bachelo Townsend is the uh, anchor which is really like oh I see yeah and, there, and there's um, no, I because he's got. Oh, it's funny. The name of the refrigerator is also Townsend, which I thought is clever. Yeah. It's like that's like the brand going. There's on the a bottom. little kind of watermark. I think that's what. Um, uh, it's, no, that's not Bachelo. I think that's the colorist. I don't know the colorist imprint. I see an I C and then D T K O. I don't know if that's was. I'll bet you if we took those letters and rearranged them, we'd get like little messages in there yeah. too. So I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I'm kind of curious um, if it's kind of supposed to be um, Steve Ditko. But I don't know if Steve Ditko created Doctor Strange. Okay. Right. Like, I think he's there in the right kind of area yeah, of, yeah. of Marvel's history. Yeah. Um, but I'm not entirely sure. Actually, you probably might say in the first couple pages. Sometimes they give credit to oh, the original creator. Created by Stan Lee and, and Steve, Steve Ditko. Ditko. Cool. Oh. Nice. I wonder is, then. Is Lee? Yep. Lee. Oh, yep. There's Lee. Lee Ditko. Nice. That's fun. That's cool. <laughs> That's good times. Yes. Boshlo, you're amazing. We right. love you. Yeah. Right. So good. Um, so yeah, so really the book is just a tour of the Sanctum Sanctorum. Mm. Steve, uh, disappears for a short time there in the middle. We get to see Wong, who I was kind of curious, uh, like I assumed he had to be there, mm-hmm. but he makes a, a great entrance, um, cooking some strange things that came out of the refrigerator yeah. and also using martial arts technique to beat up some of the things that came out of the refrigerator. You gotta fight it to kill it. it. That's right. That's fine. You know? That's right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so largely it's just kind of, um, I guess... Because we we need a book that's going to kind of reestablish Strange since we have the movie coming up yeah. next year. Yeah. Uh, and Strange has only kind of been uh, kind of peripheral mm-hmm. in uh, a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Um, what, if he's going to get his own solo book, you kind of need to get an idea of who he is. So yeah. these first two issues, I think, have been really good mm-hmm. to uh, just kind of explain this is his world. Um, it's... To to him, he's so completely unfazed that he likes to joke with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love there was a whole scene where she had all these creatures had fled out of her head 
She yeah. still had some mouths left on her head, which is kind of cool. And he tells her at one point, you know, we've got to draw them back. So you have to start shouting secrets. You have to start yeah. saying. And the stuff she's, because she's like pulling her hat over her eye because she's having to say these horrible things. And it's this great Boshalo yell on her mouth and everything. And these terrible, I think my sister's baby is ugly. I hate <laughs> all dogs. You know, it's just, she's bringing out the big guns on yeah. this. Yeah, I was wondering how far that would go. I did too. Like, well, like uh, as soon as he said it, uh, I actually remembered um, inside. Saga, yeah. they they had to do that yeah. where um, Elena had to give a secret. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of was wondering like, what's 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 the worst thing they'll say? And they, I mean, they chose things that are still kind of fun. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it's it's funny. And some people won't say like, oh my god, your baby is not not a pretty baby. No, Every, no. Especially if it's your sister's baby. Yeah. No, you don't do that. <clears throat> you save that for you know your friends. Exactly. <laughs> Which yeah. we've done them. Oh my god, my friends and I. Two of my friends, they had another friend who had had a baby, and they were always telling me, yeah, this child is ugly. This child is very ugly. And I was like, oh, you guys are mean. I mean, I don't think babies are particularly adorable either. But at one point, we're all having dinner, and we're talking about stuff, and Leah just slowly slides the photo over to me. And I'm like, yeah. And then I was like, oh, my God, what is that? Really, really not pleasant-looking child. But I won't speak names on this because feelings might Because that hurt. baby's going to grow up. That baby will grow up, I hope, up to a slightly more attractive adult. So, yeah. I feel like... Most babies I've seen, because they all kind of took, kind of look like a little squashy. scrunched up, yeah, yeah, like chubby, tiny people. Um, I feel most of them grow into it. Yeah. I feel like babies can be kind of just weird looking. Yeah. I feel most children yeah. look pretty normal yeah. and fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's that whole puberty that really fucks with them. Yeah, it's like you go from being kind of gross looking as a yeah. baby to being a precious little child, and then puberty yanks all of your organs in strange places and you know pulls your limbs into yeah. new dimensions. So. Yeah, you have about five years there where you can be like everyone else as yeah, normal yeah, as yeah, everybody yeah, else. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, and then it's a, it's a big old uh, a dice roll. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That. It's, like, it's like walking in the Terrigen Mist. Who knows yeah, what the hell is going to come exactly. out, you know? That's exactly what puberty is like. <laughs> really, kind of is. It is weird, sort of weird, weird cocoon. Yeah, You're like clearly the cocoon is your room. Yes, which will have a smell to it. Oh yes, yes, yes. Spend most of your time in there. Yeah, yeah. And then you come out, and hopefully you came out as something that's slightly more badass and maybe a little more attractive. But some people do come out as monsters. So You're gonna look weird. You are. You are. That's yeah. all right. Um. So uh, then the book ends with you know a nice little peek of um you know what. What is possibly to come? We know from the first book that there's something out there uh, attacking uh, magic users. Mm. There's there's something on the horizon, but uh, I mean there's there's no reason I think anyone would not like this book. No, it's just especially if you were a Sandman fan, and I mean that's he's one of the reasons why I got into comics was seeing Death the High Cost of Living, which is fabulous, and this is just it's all that except updated. You know, yeah. I think it's a he used to draw his characters' eyes really, really tiny, and he's made them a lot bigger now. So yeah. That's cool. yeah. Uh, and Aaron really handling this whole magic thing, which mm-hmm. really can kind of get out of hand. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's way too magic-y, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's it just doesn't feel normal. It feels pushed. Yeah, yeah. Um, Did, um, has Bendis ever written a strange story? Um, uh, I know he's written Strange, but not a solo Strange story that I know of. I think that's where I got mixed up for a while there, because I thought Bendis was actually working on this book, but then I realized, no, it's like, no, one of my favorite uh, artists is working on Strange. One of my favorite authors is working on Invincible Iron Man. Yes. Which, again, um, fuck, this book comes out fast. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Wow. Holy crap. There was a scene in this book that literally made me laugh out loud. Uh, oh, I know. You know exactly I know which exactly one where we're going. Speaking oh, of strange. I was sitting there reading it like, la, la, ha, that's awesome. You know? I, <laughs> it was as, really. As I was reading it, um, I read this what? one. Go and ahead. it's another thing. It's Bendis did his thing again. So his thing with multiple oh, the, panels. Yeah, yeah, the yeah multiple oh, yeah. silent panels. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, I guess it's just the thing he's really in love with doing right now. You know what? It's really funny. <laughs> really. It's, every it time I've seen it, it's always worked. It has always been good. Uh, no, I, um, I did that one at lunch, too. I took like three screenshots on my iPad. Yes. I'm going to link them together and I'll put it up on the social media because nice. that was just it was perfect. pretty. It was pretty brilliant. So it was pretty amazing. Uh, so Invincible Iron Man, um, three books in, and we're still full, fully strapped in yeah. for this uh, for this Iron Man goodness. Obviously, the writing is amazing, but Marquez is just blowing the art out of the water. It's yeah. just so fantastic. It, it is really solid, and it's it's. Like we keep saying, um, or at least I keep saying, 
the mainstream comic style, which I feel like you have an impression of your head. I do. Now, it may not always be the same between every two people. Yeah. But uh, I feel kind of, for me, Marquez falls in, into there. But I, at the same time, I I don't think I could ever confuse Marquez with uh, somebody else. His style is still so well honed. Yeah. And he's doing so many impressive things. I think especially in this issue where we see the suit just... I, I don't even know. What, it comes into pieces. Yeah, yeah, And, yeah. and reemerges. Yeah. And... Well, he does a great job with faces, you know? It's it's got it's still got a very comic book quality, but it's probably more realistic than you usually see on a lot of faces. Like you've got this scene where Tony's like gritting his teeth at something. I'm like, that's what people really look like when they grit their teeth. That's really yeah, good. Yeah, it's know? it's super solid and charming. Yeah, yeah. Like super duper charming. I'm trying to find the page. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's that page. I loved it. It's right, so yeah, good. We, we'll have, we'll talk about it. Don't we, worry. We'll we get to it. That page. We'll get to it. Uh yeah, right here. Um, so we kind of go back over um, the the fight with Madame Mask. Uh, it get it, it got even weirder because we remember at first it looked like there was just him and he's trying to talk to uh, to to Whitney there, and then she goes after him and we realize oh he's been in the suit mm-hmm. the suit was invisible well now that doesn't seem to be true either in fact he wasn't in the suit at all ah but he did have something guarding his neck though so maybe he had just part of the suit around him. No, but like this, like this, this whole uh, stuff going on um, out here. Yeah. Like he's on the rooftop of someplace. Yeah. I don't think he was in that room to begin with. No. I think the suit did some kind of image projection or something that made the suit look like it was him. Maybe. And then that turned into the regular suit. That sounds about right. I was, but he was controlling it remote the whole time. Yeah, I was because they were jumping around with time because he goes over to the scientist's office that he really likes. Yeah. And that's a very sweet conversation too. But it's jumping back as to what had happened because he's talking about how he almost died. So I was getting very confused with the, the time jumps. It's, um, yeah, I might want to read both last issue and this one back to back until I get a better handle on it. Because he's definitely at one point, he is not in the suit he's doing his whole minority report thing with the things on the yeah projected on the screen and moving his hands in the air and whatever so he's not for some of it he's definitely not in the suit but you know that's impressive right there that's cool yeah just like the suit basically like in order to protect itself to do this energy blast kind of like panels and things just sort of flip off and fly open to kind of it looks like it looks like it would conduct electricity really well is what i'm saying yeah it is super hip um but yeah like the the scene uh, through the panels, we see that there's no real body inside the suit. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, the suit can, I guess, do anything it wants. Kind like of. there is no rules to this to this suit. Well, as long as he's controlling it, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's but, probably said it so that he's the only one who can control it. Yeah, but like, I'm 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 curious to to hear your opinion. The, because the suit seems to be able to do everything, mm-hmm. does it feel too easy? No, only because I, the Tony that we know would never end up being the person who would just sit back and throw a suit into battle. Mm-hmm. He'd be in it eventually, and there will always be somebody who'll be like, well, Tony Stark's made his suit more powerful. Luckily, we have this counter, you know. Yeah, well, somebody's going to come always with a yeah, yeah, counter, but it's, yeah. it's been insane watching the suit. We've seen it transform uh, Hulkbuster size. We've seen it, like, do this giant arm cannon. We, we see that it can work. Uh, in weird fragments mm-hmm. and still and still function while Tony remotes, um, but like to me, it doesn't feel like oh well he's created another god killer suit or something right. like just so ridiculously powerful. Right. Like, although we've seen no no chinks in the armor, it is it still feels like 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 there's still danger. It still feels. Like, there's a threat. Now, granted, Tony's not in the suit in this specific scene. Right, right. But that's uh, not which, his usual way of doing things. Yeah, which so. also makes me wonder, like, he's kind of talking about how, like, a near-death experience. And just talking to you now, I realize, like, oh, wait, he went in the suit. Not very near-death if you're well, not he, near the... Unless he's linked to the suit, you know? Well, there's there has to be some kind of... Like, Maybe if the suit it. goes out, the biofeedback would be... Catastrophic. Could, I could don't be know because I don't think he's lying to her. No, I don't think it's, no. he's definitely not. He's sitting talking with the the scientist. And yeah. he's talking about love, how he doesn't have a whole lot of people that he could talk to. I love this uh, this uh, succession of a couple panels where the suit starts forming around him, <laughs> and then just last one just clang as the, as it finally finishes forming. Yeah. Um, but no, you know what? There's there's this really great uh, conversation uh, that that we're talking about here, and 
and Tony says, which really I feel informs us of informs us of the Tony we have now under Bendis's writing mm. is with this this super smart uh, scientist that we meet uh, in the previous issues. He's like, you're out of my class. You're you're better looking. You're smarter. Uh, you're morally a, a better person. Which uh, two of the three of those you'd never think Tony would ever say. No. He uh, might say that somebody was morally better than sure. him. He'd be like, of, of course. Yeah. But yeah. he wouldn't care. No, exactly, exactly. But he says, uh, I want to be someone who's worthy of you. Yeah. And I feel so like that's really... Like the exact line was, I can't shake the idea that becoming the man that would actually deserve you would be a very good goal in life at this stage of the game. And yeah. I'm like, charming to the last, I feel man. But I feel like it's not a line. Like, I no, feel like no. He's saying it out loud... To her, but he's also saying it to himself. Exactly. exactly. And I feel like that informs us as the reader who we're going to spend our time with Which is good. And I think that's a Tony I'm definitely interested in uh, in reading with. And just to make sure it's the same Tony, he even has kind of a smart-ass line after that. She tells him it was a lovely thing to say, and he was like, oh, I was just actually just talking about what an idiot I am, but okay, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, because it is, it's still Tony, it doesn't feel... uh, like a, being alienated from a character that we've been reading for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just makes me really more more interested. I love this, but he gives her a last kiss goodbye and he's looking oh. at her. He's looking at her because she's so wonderful and lovely and they get a yeah. lovely kiss and she's neat and she's supportive and he gets closer to her and closer to her and he goes, Hail Hydra. She goes, what? He was like, I'm just checking. It's fine. You know what she says, and she says, that's random. <laughs> but he replies, not in my world. Yeah, exactly. It was, <laughs> was so, so awesome. That was cool. That's, that damn Bendis always yeah. making us giggle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then he goes to... Um, he actually goes to see Strange. He which... goes to see Strange. He's asking Strange because uh, Whitney or Doom gave him that wand of uh, Watom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was talking to him about that. And they have a short conversation. It's kind of um, uh, exposition-y. Uh, but before Tony leaves, he silently insists on a high five. And he's standing there with his mouth open like, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's kind of got the pun dog look on his face. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Strange is just like, no, I'm he, not going to do it. Yeah. Uh, and like you were saying before, uh, we've seen it twice where it's just these silent panels of a character just kind of holding on to a moment, trying to make it happen. Yeah. Uh, and here we see Marquez getting to do just that face the grump on Strange, <laughs> and finally, finally, Strange gives in, and Tony just yells out, awesome facial hair bros! <laughs> and the look on his face is just so gleeful, and Strange yeah. is like, I hate you. <laughs> it is great. Tony appreciates a man who can grow facial hair almost as well as he can, right. which is funny, because I've noticed that before. I'm like, they do kind of have a little bit of the same cut going on, you know? You yeah. That, you know? They're, they, they're like a fashionable uh, goatee, mustache. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Um, there's a little inconsistency between Bachelo and uh, Marquez, but I'm totally willing to uh, oh, yeah. look past he it. He just shaved differently one day. Yeah. It's fine. He could do that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's magic. Yeah, yeah. Magic. Magic. There you go. That's it's, all you have fine. to say. It's like in D.C., convergence. Like, convergence. Oh, yes. Well, that's magic. fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, so Iron Man uh, still on the trail for, um, for Madame Mask. Uh, looks like uh, he gets into a little trouble by the end. Uh, which, you know, he'll be fine. He's yeah. going to fight some crazy uh, ninjas, Ninja with, people. ninjas yeah. with lightsabers. Uh, but I find it interesting, the next book is when we finally get, um, uh, uh, oh shit, Spider-Man's girlfriend, Mary Jane. Yes, yes. Mary Jane coming to Iron Man. And there's a great, I mean, that's a, that is, hang on, did they say? No, that's, that's Marquez's art too, isn't it? Uh, yep. Yeah. And a little signature in there. She looks lovely. Yeah. She looks very cool. And she's holding onto the Iron Man mask and looking yeah. very smirky. So, uh, assumably, she knows who he is. I mean, being with, with Peter and also, I'm sure she's pretty well informed. I, I would hope well, so. Well, no, everyone knows. Yeah, <laughs> everyone that's knows true. Everyone knows who Iron that's Man true. is. <laughs> so, fuck you, I'm Iron Man. Se- seems so weird that there's no, there's hardly any secret identities anymore. No, 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 no. Um... Now, did you get a chance to read this? I did not get a chance well, we to. We don't have to. I, we're, we're at the end of the podcast. We can just talk about it briefly. But, okay. Um, uh, so, Grant Morrison wrote a story about the origins of Santa Claus as... Um, a pagan badass. Yeah? Yeah. Now. So, yeah. So, I didn't get to read this. Uh, so, a quick rundown. Uh, 
what what is what the fuck is this happening? This is just a story where Klaus is. It's like it's very. It's kind of got a German almost feel to it. He's a a woodsman, a huntsman who lives out you know by himself, and he has a a, a wolf who travels around with him, and he trades for furs, and then he goes into this town, and the town's been taken over by these terrible people, and you know in addition to like gouging people for their money and watering down the beer, and basically just you know just oppressing the hell out of him. Yeah. They also won't let the kids have any toys because that's like, you know, the young prince is the one who always gets the toys. Um, they kind of make an example out of Klaus at one point, you know, basically beat the crap out of him and send him out. And there's, he's like, you know, his, he was going to actually get killed, but luckily he does have a wolf buddy who came around and saved him. Yeah. But then he's like, and right. apparently he's a badass. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, well, you know, that's all right. You know, those furs were going to be our dinner and you know, we're going to get money for that. So we're going to have to get something to eat before it gets too cold and we die out here. And so the whole conversations are going on within the castle. And you see him and his wolf buddy taking down this really scary looking deer. I, mean, I saw that. Yeah. Which, like, I mean, you, you kind of try and tie it into... Um... Uh, like okay, how is how is how does this reflect the the Santa that I am assuming he'll turn into? So it's a reindeer. He's overpowering yeah, like, a reindeer. He's except, fighting like a dire reindeer. It was really interesting. But then he also is sitting around the fire with his wolf buddy, and I guess they're cooking the carcass or whatever. And he takes some kind of psychotropic drug at one point to sort of because he's also sort of like a nature man, I guess, and kind of druidy, kind of druidy. Yeah, very much druidy. I mean, yeah. the, you know, the old Christmas myths always came out of druid, druid pagan rituals and everything. Yeah. Sees these strange creatures. He plays a flute, you know, it's all that. And then he wakes up and while he was asleep, and there's a great panel of the psychedelic yeah. colors Dan, going on. Dan Mora does the artwork. And oh, it's beautiful. Every, every page here is worthy of putting up on your wall. Absolutely. It all looks pretty great. Yeah, ex- exactly. But he wakes up and while he was asleep, he made all these toys because, you know, Santa. So yeah. he had no idea he made them while he was asleep. But that's so weird. It's just our intro to the book. And it's, you know, it's a strange concept. God, the art is gorgeous. And it really is. Morrison is not talking us to death, which yeah. in my recent experience is kind of rare. Yeah, you had a hard time with that multiplicity. Yeah, I still haven't finished it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to. No, I, w- I wouldn't blame you. Anyway, but yeah, worth a look. Really worth it. And the, you know what? It's a kind of a nitpicky thing in a good way. I mean, they're printed on very high quality paper. It's yeah. like that really good glossy yeah, paper. It's a, a boom book, so yeah. no ads. Nope. Um, and quality paper for still uh, four, three bucks? Four bucks. Seriously? Still four wow, bucks, yeah. Wow, nice. Yeah. yeah. It's good. It's very good. And, and here we're getting DC and Marvel books with ads in them yes. lesser quality paper still four bucks yeah, yeah yeah no this is worth well worth the dime so the con- the concept because we've we, we've always been like all right morrison good concept it's the execution that gets heavy mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. conceptually still still solid too yeah no very much so i mean i think the idea is going to be we're going to you know we'll end up with a santa but it's the santa we end up with is not going to be the big jolly roly poly yeah. type he's going to be the one who's Defeating his enemies for the sake of the children. You know, that's what it is, you know. Don't mess yeah. around with me. I have a sword. So, that's cool. badass. Yeah. Santa with a sword. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, in case him. you're wondering, he doesn't he doesn't look anything like Santa, except that he does have a beard. But it's yeah. like longish hair and kind of salt pepper thing. Looks very grizzled. He looks yeah, good. he looks he looks young. Yeah, he looks yeah. like a young, ad- adventuring yes. woodsman. He's... Doesn't quite have the the bowl full of jelly, nope, or rosy cheeks or anything nope. like that. Nope, nope, nope. I, I guess once you go into the toy making business, you just let yourself go. Maybe you're not fighting maybe. dire evil reindeer anymore. <laughs> once he you defeats, got that once he defeats all of his enemies and has a comfortable lifestyle, sure, you yeah. know it's fine. You deserve it. Yeah. Uh, so those are just uh, some of the books that we uh, we really enjoyed. If you have any uh, any reviews, anything you'd like to say, good or bad, uh, about any books that you've read, you can let us know through the social medias. Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, uh, Instagram, Pinterest, uh, DeviantArt if you want to draw a picture or or write a poem about it. Um, And I think they got everything. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Sounds like all of it. Those are the ones that matter this week. And if not, you know how Google works. Just put in Comic Issues Podcast. You'll find us. Um, You can email us uh, all your thoughts at uh, comicissues at gmail.com. Uh, part of the pixelatedgeek.com network, uh, full of all kinds of podcasts, reviews, and all the good stuff that uh, that we've been up to lately. Uh, if uh, if you are in the San Diego area uh, this weekend, uh, the same week this podcast comes out, we are at 
Crane Con. Yeah. There's so much going on. AJ's going up into the crane again. I just like that AJ's a bit of a nerd boy himself. And yeah. So the idea of having a big like nerd convention at the foot of the crane makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we'll be there. Um, IDW has really come through uh, and, again, given us a, a bunch of free swag to give away. Uh, all it takes to get in is a donation of a toy, and then you've got vendors, you've got cosplay, you've got uh, all kinds of stuff. I think there's a, uh, I think I saw there's a band on uh, on the schedule for some music. It's going to be a good time for a good cause. Again, going to Rady Children's Hospital. Uh, so hopefully we see you out there. We'll take selfies together. There you go. We'll there have you go. A, we'll have some good times. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you want just more of uh, of this sweet comic book action, you can always go to the website comic. How did I, how did I fumble our own website? That's one of the ones that you least likely yeah. to do. But it's only been like almost five years. <laughs> no, seriously, that's the one that always gets me. Remembering that it's comicissues at gmail dot com, but it's comic issues, comic dash issues dot com. It's that's, hard. Whatever. That's the website. Yeah. Uh, so uh, check us out there if, you, if, if this is just what you're into. So until next week, everybody. I'm Anthony Silva, Elizabeth Wallace, and good geeking.